Hello, my name is Keith Hayden, and I'd like to welcome you to the Tower of Babbling podcast, where I'm helping you go from language curious to language confident. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about what are what are the different types of language jobs. You know, maybe I don't I don't know where you're at in your in your life right now. Maybe you're a recent high school or college graduate, or maybe you're a little bit older, like me. No shame in it, and you're looking for a career change, or you're looking to just have something in your back pocket, like to use your language to make money for you, yourself, or your family, whatever the case may be in your specific situation, the next three episodes are going to be designed to give you a roadmap, so to speak, of places you could go or places where you could take your potential language career. And I, I don't really like to use the word career nowadays because it has kind of this old connotation of you know, at least in my mind as a, as a Westerner, someone who grew up in the United States of, you know, you're going to get this job and you're going to do it for life. And later on, towards the end of the episode, I'm going to talk about why I think that's kind of problematic in general nowadays, but also how it relates to getting a job in the language market. So whatever your, your situation, these next three episodes, which I'm titling as a, as a unit. I'm a teacher, so I think in units, the Professional Language Learners Toolkit. That's what I'm calling it. So this episode, we'll talk about the different types of language jobs out there. The next two episodes, we'll talk about language credentialing. We'll talk about the pros and cons of different ways that you can make yourself stand out. And just kind of my experience, because I've done a lot of these things. You know, I've d- done immersions I've done I have a degree a minor in Japanese so I, I have that as well so let's talk about how these things kind of translate or in some cases don't translate to the job market and what how potential employers really look at that so if you'd like to follow along with this with this podcast episode you can go to my website keithhayden.net get a copy of the e or hard copy of the book there or just kick your feet up if you can and enjoy this podcast episode. All right, let's get started. In my mind, I break uh, language jobs in, down into three categories. And we'll talk about each one in, in detail. The first category is our language preferred jobs. Now, these are jobs where language is, it's a kind of a nice to have. You know, it's not a requirement that you know the language to a certain degree or even know it at all in some cases, but it's very helpful. So let's think about, and probably a few jobs came into your into your head um, that all right, fall into this category. So, and I, I want to preface this with keep in mind that this is by no means an exhaustive list. I'm not going to talk about every job that is out there. There, there is out there. I mean, there are tons of different jobs, but I'm just talking in general about kind of these these general jobs. Some suggestions that fall into this category. So, some of these jobs are certain retail jobs, retail jobs, certain sales jobs, flight attendants hotel management jobs, and many service jobs. So with retail and sales, you know you know the deal there. You know, if you work, um, I was about to say JCPenney, but I know some, a lot of those old stores are, are closing down and are going away. 
but man, I, I'm, I'm terrible at stores. I really don't like shopping that much. <laughs> um, but let's say you work at some retail store and, and you're, you're selling things to customers. You work at a furniture store, let's say that. So obviously, depending on your area, you're going to get customers from all walks of life. You're going to get people that sometimes don't speak English very well, or depending on where you're at, you know, they don't speak your, the commonly used language in the area. And so if you know a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of Mandarin Chinese, or a little bit of French, depending on where you're at, that could go a long way. But it's not really necessary to know the language in those cases. And that's what I mean by these, by these jobs, you know. And I think that brings me to the, the first thing, I'm not going to say con, but thing to consider when you're thinking about language preferred jobs, that any job that falls into these categories, is that you may not use your language at all, but the job boards may, <laughs> some job boards or employers may advertise it as, oh, we'd like it if you spoke Spanish here, but not required. And sometimes they'll put that, you know, it's preferred, but not required. Uh, for you to do this job or to do it well. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about language preferred jobs. There's many others, of course, that I didn't mention in detail. I talked about many service jobs, but there are so many, like you could be a waiter, you could be a bartender, you could be a barista, you could be, um, uh, I don't know, you could be anything. There's, there's so many different examples, but these are all examples of you've got clientele coming in, you don't know where they're coming from, and it would definitely be helpful if you spoke another language, but you don't need to speak another language. Definitely not necessary. So think about that. And another thing I'll say about these language preferred jobs is that, of course, you know, they're, they're easier to get. They're more plentiful. So the pay is not going to be as high. And it's, that's just something you have to kind of live with, right? You know, you, these are, these tend to be more entry level jobs to where, you know, you're not really expected to these are people that are just coming into the job market, like recent graduates, college, high school, those types of things. So just be careful because one of the things that I look for all the time when I'm looking for jobs is I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I would like to be able to use my language in the job. But um, I also understand that a lot of those positions tend to be lower paying. So depending on where you're at, obviously, if you're younger, then it might not make a difference. You're just looking for skills you're looking for resume builders you're looking for experience but if you're older and you got a wife you got a husband you got kids uh you got elderly parents to, to look after you know not so much you know so it's just keep that in mind when you're looking at language preferred jobs now let's go on to the next category of jobs the second category which i call language required jobs now as the name suggests these are jobs that it is an absolute requirement that you know the language to some degree. You may not even need to be fluent in some of these jobs, but you you may not need, even need to be literate in these jobs, but you, you are going to work with people that, that need language services. They need stuff translated. They need um, things interpreted, things like that. So some of these jobs are, I'd put again, certain sales jobs because there are sales jobs that are international and that it's expected that you deal with certain clients from certain countries and they operate out of an english-speaking place or if you're in language of course if it isn't i'm assuming that it's english because you're listening to this podcast but your native language may not be english of course but i'm, I'm going from that perspective also another types of job interpreters translators language teachers subtitlers localizers language analysts 
and foreign correspondence. I, I put journalism. Of course, there's many more, but I want to stop here and, and talk about um, my <laughs> the job that's, of course, uh, near and dear to my heart, which is interpreting, because obviously, I, I like I've mentioned several times, I was uh, a medical interpreter. I did freelance. And just looking at this list in, in front of me, these jobs, a lot of them uh, have gone the freelance route. There are a lot of, if you go on um, sites like Upwork, if you go on Fiverr.com, you'll find tons of people that are willing to do this for on the cheap. You know, Fiverr, I was just on there the other day, and it's like, it's five, you know, some people have $5, I'll translate X number of words for you or whatever. So this, in general, trend of freelancing and, you know, people doing these things for lower prices all around the world has, in my experience in the last three years, has driven the the pay down for these types of jobs when it comes to um, traditional jobs and traditional agencies. Now, of course, if you're a freelancer and you've got a long time contract with, with somebody, with a customer, and they're paying you handsomely for, for your services, then, you know, results are going to vary. But for those of you who are, you know, like, these are, these are jobs that I, when I think of, these are like the traditional language career jobs. You know, when you think of being a language teacher, you know, a lot of people think, oh, that's going to be my career and that's going to um, I'm going to be doing this once I get my teaching credential. And I, I, let's say I teach Spanish or whatever, then I'm going to be doing that for decades to come. But um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we, we need a little bit more flexibility there nowadays, because the, the fact is, in my experience, what I've seen, I feel like there are less and less available jobs in these traditional environments. Language teaching, for example, you know, I, I compliment with all of my knowledge about Spanish and languages and all that. Some people have asked me, Keith, why didn't you become a, a Spanish teacher or a Japanese teacher or, or whatever? But and I answer that I, I don't have the academic background in those languages, meaning I, di I didn't take any college classes. I took college classes in Japanese, but in Spanish, I've taken, I've never taken a class. I've never taken a traditional class. So I have no credits in, uh, in Spanish. I don't, I'm not really very savvy on, uh, Spanish speaking countries, history, Mexican history or Spanish history. I don't know those things, but, uh, those are things that are tested on teaching exams. So I, I don't want to get too much into the weed here, weeds here, but the point is these these jobs are, in in my general opinion, they're on the decline as far as the demand for what uh, for professionals doing this job. So what does that mean to you? That means I would say don't put your eggs all in one basket, as we say where I'm from. Meaning don't don't put all of your hopes on I'm going to become an interpreter, I'm going to become a translator because Especially if you're younger right now, you may find that by the time you finish your training or you get your language to a level where you need it to be to do these jobs well, there might not be many positions there waiting for you. So just be careful. So, but the good thing about these jobs, of course, is that they have a lot of stability. They, they tend to, if you find the right client or if you, you get into the right business, of course, if you're a traditional teacher working in a traditional school, then you're, you're probably going to be getting benefits. You're going to be probably okay. But then, of course, there's the freelancing side where uh, 
at least in the U.S., not so much. You're kind of on your own to figure all those things out. But uh, be careful. Use caution. So the third type of language jobs are the hybrid jobs. I call them hybrid jobs because these are jobs that, you know, you probably they probably don't come to your mind when you think of, hey, I want to use my language in a professional capacity. So I put on here things like what I'm doing now, bilingual podcaster, which I'm I, I do use other languages in this podcast is mostly in English, but you know what I mean. Um, language coaching. A lot of people would become language coaches. Um, there are doctors. There are lawyers who know languages very well. And of course, that helps them do their job better depending on where they work. So I, I wanted to bring up an example for you as far as hybrid jobs, because I think this is a great example. So a couple of weeks ago, I, I had the opportunity to attend the polyglot gathering online, the annual polyglot gathering. If you've never heard of the polyglot gathering, if you don't know what a polyglot is, uh, a polyglot is basically a person that speaks, I think they've defined it as six or more languages, which I I never, I'm not really a polyglot, but poly means multi in old Latin, the, the prefix. So you speak multiple languages fairly well. So there's a huge um, community of people online that get together and they had a conference and it was run out of Poland and I attended for the first time because it was online. So this was a great opportunity to practice my my language. Um, I practiced Spanish with people from all around the world. I spoke Spanish with people from the Netherlands, from from Turkey. It was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. But the biggest thing that I got out of it that applies to the, the language hybrid jobs they had a, a spreadsheet where people could put, you know, they're looking for collaborators, they're looking for business, whatever. So this spreadsheet was pretty fascinating to me. And let me tell you why. It's because we had over it's several dozen professionals from all around the world talking about basically how they created their own language jobs. And I was fascinated. And I'll, and I'll read a couple of uh, what they wrote for themselves and because I have the spreadsheet here. So we've got a linguist, a teacher and an entrepreneur. So you see that there we've got uh, a mind mapper and an Italian teacher. There's a life coach. There's a person that's a language teacher and architect and a designer. So they design buildings. That's a pretty cool combination. Got a game developer and a language coach. Got a consultant, IT professional. Let's see what else there is. I saw another one that I wanted to. We've got a, a neuro language coach, uh, and of course uh, a language learner. Another IT programmers. The list goes on and on. The point is, all of these people have found a way to take something, one thing that they're passionate about, and to spin language into that thing as well. And they're they're clearly making a living or they're attempting to make a living. I don't know. I don't know if they are, but they are making some type of wage on this. And on the one hand, this can be really scary because you have to create this. You know, nobody, your teachers in school aren't probably saying, I'm going to become a bilingual podcaster when I grew up, or they're not encouraging you to become a bilingual podcaster, you know, like podcasting. What is that? Um, They're probably looking at look at you like you're crazy. But the point is, you have to find a way to to make your 
to tie language, which is one of your passions or one of your interests, into uh, an existing skill. You have to find a way to to do that for yourself because your parents probably aren't going to encourage it. They'll probably look at you like, why would you want to um, do this as a job, become a, a game developer, language consultant? You know, what, what is that? That doesn't make, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not thinking most parents would be happy to hear that if, if their son or daughter told them that. But the point is, you have to find your interest. You have to make it work for you. I hope you enjoyed that discussion on the the three different categories of language jobs. I just want to review briefly. The first category are language preferred jobs. Those are jobs that it's kind of language is a nice to have, but not really necessary. But it could make you stand out among other candidates for the job. The next is our language required jobs. These are jobs where you need to have a high level of language. You need to know the language to a certain degree and there you're most likely going to be using your language all of the time in these jobs the third and final category was language hybrid jobs and these are jobs that are typically non-traditional that combine some type of other interest whether it be law medicine podcasting writing you name it with some type of language it, it pairs it and of course there's a ton of other jobs that that you can use language learning in these are but this is by no means an exhaustive list but i just i just wanted to give a couple of bits of general advice from it's my gift to you from so for you listening to my podcast and from somebody who has watched very closely language jobs of all types for the past three years when i first was trying to become an interpreter uh, maybe you haven't been looking at it that closely but I have, and the first thing I want to say is, don't expect to get rich doing doing this. You know, I think in general with trends of technology, this is totally speculative. This is just my opinion, but I feel like um, language jobs in general are on the decline. Um, definitely, the when they when people look at when people are looking at people to fill language jobs, I've definitely seen to where there's definitely bias. In, in that if you don't have a name or a face that seems to be connected with that language in the job market at least you automatically have a strike against you no matter how passionate you are about the language no matter how many times you've been to that country or worked in that community you still no matter if you're at the native like level it doesn't matter if you've been spending decades learning this language you still may not get hired because you don't have the name you don't have the face you know, and I've experienced that with Spanish. You know, obviously I don't have uh, a Spanish or a Mexican or a Hispanic name or a Latinx name. So even though my Spanish is, is is very good and I've used it in a professional capacity, I've been an interpreter, I have all this training. I, I, I've had experiences where I haven't really been called back because I just don't have that name. So a lot of times in... in that's nothing against native speakers of Spanish, of course, but it's just that a lot of people that learn languages and that are passionate about languages, they don't come from the backgrounds of the language that they're studying. 
that's why they're studying it. That's why they want to learn it. But if you're trying to take it to the professional capacity, it can definitely work against you. So keep that in mind as well, kind of the, the bias when it comes to that. And yeah, the first thing, yeah, you're not going to, you're probably not going to get, get rich. If you're looking to like make a lot of money, um, I guess you could become like a, uh, an international banker or something or international stock trader. I'm pretty sure those jobs exist, but um, very hard to get. One of the highest, by the way, one of the highest paying jobs that I've ever been interested in is as a federal court interpreter. This is a, a court interpreter in the U.S. at the federal level. And what that means is you you work with only those types of cases and they tend to be higher level um, criminal cases. Sometimes they're not, but they, they most likely are. Um, but this certification is extremely difficult to get. They only hold it once every couple of years. It's, it's a phase certification. I was actually in the beginning of doing the process a few years back, and it is very hard to get. Even becoming a state-level court interpreter is, is very difficult. Um, and then they just might not have it in your target language, right? This was for Spanish. Obviously, here in the U.S., Spanish is a, is a huge language. A lot of people speak it. So... If you're learning French and you live in the U.S., you're you're probably out of luck. You know, if you've gone through all this trouble, especially a lot of people like to learn Japanese. If you're learning Japanese, I'm sorry to tell you, Japanese jobs that involve the Japanese language are very region specific. You know, here in California, especially down in the Bay Area, there's there's a higher uh, population of Asian Americans, and so your chances of landing a job there are higher. But if you don't live there, then you're, you're kind of out of luck. So anyway, I, I digress. I'm, I'm telling you this because it, it's, like I said, in general, I feel like language jobs are, are on the decline. And it's, it's cultural, it's technology, it's a lot of different um, forces that are acting to shift, cause that shift. The next thing I would say if you're, as, when you're researching language jobs is to do your research, you know, because these I've I've done enough job searching in the last several years to know that when you're looking at job boards, they don't always tell you the whole story or they tell you something, you know, that the job boards are are basically advertisements. You know, they, they're advertising their job because they want people to apply. They want to make it sound appealing to where you can you would apply and they will be able to fill the position. It's just like it's kind of like advertising uh, a a t-shirt or a movie or something like that. You want to appeal to people to see it. So the tendency is to to inflate job descriptions, to make it sound like, oh, it's this this exotic job where you'll be serving coffee to all of these wonderful customers. And then it's, it's really just working at a Starbucks, you know, like <laughs> things like that. I, I've seen these types of job descriptions. So when it comes to language, when they say language is preferred, that that may be, you know, maybe they have a handful of clients or or people that need language services, but you may not, you may get the job and you don't get to use your language at all. And that's, and that's the worst. That's something that I want you to be able to avoid because I know I, I try to avoid it all the time to, because that's the worst thing. You go through all this process, getting a job is, is a, is a lengthy and it, it's just a tiring process. You know, you apply to all these different things and then you finally get a call back. You do the interview. They like you, you go through their hiring process. Maybe they have some training by the time all is said and done, it's been weeks, months, and then you get in the job and you hate it. And that's, that is the worst feeling in the world. That is just to go through all of it. And I, I recently had it happen to me very recently, just 
a couple of months ago last year, and it was very frustrating because it's like it's frustrating for the employer because they know you don't like it. It's frustrating for you because you went through all this trouble to get the job, but then it's not what you thought it was. So be careful. Do your research. Go to jobs. Go to websites like Glassdoor. Go to Indeed. Go to LinkedIn. I mean, talk to your friends on Facebook. Talk to there's groups all over of people that are have done or are doing similar type of work and then they can tell you whether or not you know it's it's going to go as advertised whether or not you're actually going to use your language on the job because I feel like if you're listening to this podcast episode you are interested in in working in a language capacity um, maybe the money or the compensation isn't as important as getting to use your language on the job I, I've been there. I'm one of those people myself, and it, it it's really frustrating to be disappointed that way. And the final thing I'll say is to know yourself. And I'm always I'm always talking about self reflection. I know, I know. This, this is like the mindfulness. Uh, we should change it to the Tower Babbling Mindfulness Podcast, right? Um, because I feel like it's true. I feel like when you know your interests and you know you want to use the language in a certain way, then it's going to be easier for you to narrow down the types of jobs that you should be considering, and you can weed out all of all of the rest. So ask yourself, what what are your even your work goals? You know, we talked about having language goals way 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 back in the beginning, in the first several episodes of the podcast. But what are your work goals? Are you trying to have a career? Because I think that influences what jobs you look at. Are you trying? Do you care if you work part time or full time? Um, maybe you're just looking for some way to supplement your income or just something, some way to, to help other people, you know, knowing these, knowing these different factors is, is very helpful in narrowing down what jobs you should look for. Also knowing what level of language you're comfortable with, you know, like if you're listening to this podcast, I'm this episode, I'm assuming that you have at least a, a passable level of language ability, you know, maybe you're not completely uh, literate, or maybe one of your areas is weak. Maybe your your speaking needs work. Uh, maybe your reading needs work, or or whatever. But um, some level, some jobs are going to require different levels of of uh, of expertise and proficiency in the language. For example, uh, language teachers. I'll go back to language teachers because I know a lot about those, and of course, I've had several language teachers in my experience. And this is no dig on my previous teachers. So sorry if you're listening, but I, I feel like a lot of the language teachers that I had in Japanese in college were really not that great at Japanese. <laughs> when I think about it, when I look back, you know, as much as I've studied languages now and everything that I've been through, of course, when I was in college and when I was younger, I was like, wow, they're, they're amazing. But that's because I, I'd never been to Japan. I didn't know anybody who spoke Japanese at all. So seeing this person, hearing them speak was like, wow, they're really good. But now in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, they're speaking. Yeah, it wasn't that great, you know. And I say that because you may think that certain jobs require a high, a, like you you just need to be the best in the language, but I, they really don't. They really don't. All it requires is kind of a, a passable level. Of course, you'll get better as you use it more and more on the job, but um, you don't really need to be super fluent you don't even necessarily need to have a degree or anything you just need to be able to use it and i'm i'm a case in point right there with spanish you know i, I don't have a degree in spanish i i don't really have much credentials in spanish like academically but 
I'm able to use it to communicate with my students. And my, if my students are happy with my Spanish, then that's really all that matters is that I'm helping them learn math by using Spanish. So it, it's going to vary across the jobs. But the, the whole point of this discussion is to help you narrow down your, your job search and to help you focus in on the right job, what will be the right job for you for your language ability. And, and I want you to be able to to do that so you don't get lost in the sea of job postings and 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 just stuff out there, right? Because we know there's a lot of it. So I'm going to end this episode here. Uh, I like talking about these things. One of, one of my favorite things to do when I was applying for college, I remember when I was in high school, was just looking at the different jobs that are out there because I, I wanted to know where I was going. I wanted to know what the trajectory of my academic career would be. So if you're you haven't graduated yet and you're in high school or you're in college, you know, go out and do a little bit of research as far as, you know, what types of jobs there are out there. Watch YouTube videos. I'm sure there's a, that's one of the great things we have nowadays, right? You can go on YouTube and pretty much find anybody sharing anything. I'm sure you could find some flight attendant who vlogs about their job or whatever while they're on the job. Even though they probably shouldn't be, but I mean, I'm sure you could find something. There's, there's something out there for everybody. So do your research. And I hope this has given you a better lay of the land of what is out there in the world. So if you like this episode, you can go to my website, keithhayden.net, and get an e-copy or hard copy of the Tower of Babbling there. I didn't read from the book, but most of the highlights for what I covered uh, are in the book in, in book form. Of course, you can read it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at kh underscore way to link. And next time, we will talk about language credentialing. I think it's going to be a very fun episode because I get to tell some stories about some of my experiences with these different types of uh, language credentialing devices or uh, methods, if you will. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Tower Babbling Podcast, and I'll see you next time. Ciao.